listening to the Creating a Brand podcast, where we deliver weekly masterclass interviews on topics to help you make your first or next step in business the right one. I'm your host, Alex Sanfilippo. Today, we're going to talk about the most requested topic here on Creating a Brand, which is how to land speaking engagements and also how to get paid to speak. My guest is Grant Baldwin. He is a full-time paid public speaker. One of the things that made Grant stand out to me so much is his background what he did before he became a full-time public speaker. I think that many of us are going to be able to relate to this story, and he'll share it during the episode. Grant is the author of the book titled The Successful Speaker, which contains five steps for landing speaking gigs and getting paid to speak. If you've been wanting to get into speaking, this episode is really going to help you figure out how to make that happen. So let's not wait any longer. Here is my conversation with Grant Baldwin about how to land speaking engagements. Grant, thank you so much for being a guest on the Creating a Brand podcast today. Alex, thanks, man. Your book, The Successful Speaker, covers five steps for booking speaking gigs, getting paid to speak, and also building your platform. I have to say, and we talked about this offline a little bit, I am very impressed by this book. It reads more like a storytelling map. As someone who reads 52 books a year, I believe I have an understanding of what a good book looks like. And I have to say, this one really impressed me. I really enjoyed the content that you developed on this. Thanks, man. And I want to give a huge shout out to uh, to Jeff Goins, kind of my, my partner in crime on this. So Jeff was basically a, somewhat of a, a like a named ghostwriter, non-ghostwriter, ghostwriter. So uh, the the quick nutshell on how the book came to be, Jeff, um, for those who don't know, is a uh, very accomplished writer, a very successful writer, knows the publishing world uh, really well. He came to me a couple years ago and said, hey, do you have any interest in writing a book? And at the time, I was like, eh, not really. Like, I, uh, I don't necessarily in, in like writing a, a, is not my favorite thing to do. And so uh, he said, hey, tell you what, I'm kind of between projects. Uh, you have all this content, all this IP, all this knowledge, all these case studies, all these examples around speaking. What if we take all of that, I take all of that, and I'll, we'll work together on, on the book. And so he was really much more the scribe for the book um, and just did a really did a phenomenal job. So uh, it's a lot of, uh, it's all my content and, and, and knowledge, but uh, Jeff was the one that definitely made it look look pretty for sure. Teamwork makes the dream work, right? True. You covered both sides of the coin and made it happen. Now, before we jump into the four main points we're going to share in this episode, at the beginning of your book, you list out the five points using SPEAK as the acronym. Can you briefly expand on that for us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the overall, the whole book walks through what we call the Speaker Success Roadmap. So it makes this acronym SPEAK, S-P-E-A-K. And so the S is select a problem to solve. This is the, the first and probably the most important step of the process where you have to get really clear on this is who you speak to and this is the problem that you solve. Now, for most speakers, they have a difficult time with this because we feel like we need to spread the net as far and wide as possible. So for a lot of speakers, they say, well, I just I just love speaking. So who do I speak to? I speak to people. I, I speak to humans. I speak to everybody, right? My message is for the world. When in the reality is, is like, you, you, you can't do that. You got to be really clear, really narrow, really focused on this is who you speak to. The other side of the equation is what is the problem that you solve for that audience? Now, again, some speakers would say, well, I, you know, I speak about leadership and change and sales and marketing and, and family and marriage and kids and sports and and yada, 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 yada. And the reality is like you, you can't speak on all of those things. Even if you you know something about those topics, even if you're passionate about them, you don't want to try to position yourself as this go-to on anything and everything. You want to say, I speak on this and that's it. And and by doing that, it actually makes it easier to find and book gigs. So that's the first step of the process, the S, select a problem to solve. The P is then prepare your talk, prepare your talk. And so here we dig into how do you actually create a talk? How do you deliver it from stage? We talk about slides and stories and transitions and intros and outros and 
humor and interacting with the audience and uh, all that goes into what makes a good talk. The E is establish yourself as the expert. And so here we dig into the two key marketing tools and assets that every speaker needs to have. You need to have a website and you need to have a demo video. The A is uh, acquire paid speaking gigs, acquire paid speaking gigs. Now this is the part that people want to fast forward to because ultimately this is for a lot of people, this is why they pick up the book is I, I want to book gigs. So I want to get to that part. But if, you, if you're not clear in the first part, the S, if you're not clear on uh, who you speak to, what's the problem that you solve, you're not clear on what the talk is that you're going to offer as the solution, you don't have a website, a video, it's going to be very, very difficult to be able to book gigs. So you need these foundational pieces in place before. Now at that point, just because you have these things in place isn't enough on its own. So you can't just say, all right, I got a, you know, I got my website now. I'm just going to sit back and wait for the phone to ring. Like that doesn't work. So at this point, you have to have a system to be able to consistently be able to find and book gigs. And then the last part of the process is K, know when to scale. So for a lot of people, they're interested in speaking, but they're also probably interested in, you know, writing a book or uh, doing a podcast or doing a social media or doing a course or doing coaching or doing consulting or doing any number of things. And the truth is you can do all the things, but you can't do them all at once. So something's going to come first and something's going to come last. So you just have to be really, really clear on what it is that you are trying to accomplish and how speaking fits into the mix. So big picture, that's that framework. That's the S-P-E-A-K, the Speaker Success Roadmap that we cover inside the book. I have to say, using the word speak as the acronym is very creative. And now I have to ask, who came up with it? Was it you or was it Jeff? I actually had that one. That was one that... Come on. Yeah, yeah. When we first started working on the book, uh, I said, hey, I think I got what should be... Because we were already starting to teach this framework a little bit. um, and But he was the one that that really fleshed it out a lot more. So uh, yeah, it was definitely a, a, a bit of both on that. We're going to take a deep dive into the first four steps that you mentioned. But before we do that, I have to ask, what was the highly successful company that you had before you started? Or was it that you had a massive social media following or viral video that propelled you into your successful speaking career? Which of those things was it? No, none of the things, none of the above. And and you're exactly right. Like uh, that's a a big, big misconception that people oftentimes assume in order to be a speaker, in order to be a successful speaker, you need to have met some type of prerequisite. You need to have uh, won a gold medal. You need to have won a Nobel Peace Prize. You need to have conquered cancer. You need to have um, uh, been a war hero. You need to do to land a plane on the Hudson. You need to climb Mount Everest blindfolded in your shorts. You need to do something that means all of a sudden that you are a speaker. And the reality is, is like, that's, that's not the case at all. Now there's certainly speakers who have have that, but that is not at all a prerequisite or a requirement. I am a, a white male from the Midwest who's had a pretty normal average life. Like um, I've come from a good family, uh, have good relationship with my brothers and sisters, have never broken a bone, have never really been sick. Uh, a pretty vanilla, uneventful, boring plane. Uh, but again, the point being that you don't necessarily have to have had all these things uh, accomplished or experienced in order to be a speaker. Although I already knew how you're going to answer that question, I want to make sure to cover it because I believe it brings up a very important point. Many people have a misconception that before they can get into speaking, they have to have an epic story of their life to tell or have professional success or even a massive social media influence. But the truth is you don't have to have all those things. It's not a requirement. This can work for all of us where we are with what we have and what we know. Now, with that said, let's go ahead and jump into the first four steps that you share in this book, starting with the first step, which is select a problem to solve. You have three main points within this section. Can you break these down for us? Yeah. So we dig into uh, three different kind of, if you think of it almost like overlapping circles there, you need to have what we call the three eyes there. You need to have... uh, 
interest, integrity, and industry. Inter- interest, integrity, and industry. And so let me let me kind of break those down. So first of all, uh, the interest part. You have to be clear on the the topic that you're talking about. You have to have some type of passion or interest in that. You know, just because, and also recognize that just because you're passionate about it uh, doesn't necessarily mean that organizations and groups are actually hiring speakers to talk about it. So you got to start by being just clear on like I'm deeply passionate about this, but is there actually a market for that topic? Uh, which is the second part of the process, which is the industry. Now we, uh, inside the book, we talk about seven primary industries that hire speakers. Now within this, there are a bunch of different subgroups that hire speakers, but those big seven are uh, corporations, associations, uh, faith-based and churches, nonprofits, government and military, colleges and universities, and education, K through 12. So elementary, middle school, high school. Uh, and so within that, again, there are a bunch of different subcategories or, or groups that that hire speakers. But uh, you want to be, you want to make sure that you're clear on which group, which category does uh, does your topic or does your audience fall under there? Now, one of the things that we kind of talk about just in general inside the book is you want to make sure that you are position, positioning yourself as the steakhouse and not the buffet. Be the steakhouse and not the buffet. What we mean by that is that if, if you know, Alex, if you and I were going to go grab lunch, if we were looking for a good steak, uh, we could go to a buffet where steak is one of a hundred things that they offer and they're all mediocre. Or we could go to uh, a steakhouse where they do one thing, but they do that one thing really, really well. So they, they don't do tacos. They don't do lasagna. They don't do pizza. They do steak and that's it. And so by, by saying like, no, we, we, all we do is steak, then it makes it much easier for them to attract the right type of clientele, the right type of customer, but also repel the wrong type of people. Vegetarians probably aren't going to be going to steakhouse, which is exactly what you want. You want to create the type of place that says, no, this is exactly who we're for. And by proxy, this is also who we're not for versus the the speaker who says, well, I want to speak about anything and everything. Because again, we think that the more things we can t- we can speak about, the more opportunities that we'll have. But the more narrow, the more clear, the more focused you are, the easier it is to actually find gigs. The more narrow, the more clear, and the more focused you are, the easier it is to find speaking gigs. I cannot reinforce how true this is. To recap the three overlapping circles you mentioned, they are interest, industry, and integrity. This was actually one of my favorite parts of the book, so I'm really glad we covered that. Now let's move on to the second step, which is preparation and delivery. Well, so so what we talk about here is the different types of talks. So we talk about the differences between keynotes and workshops and breakouts. And so the reality is, is like not all talks are created equal. So you want to figure out what makes sense what uh, in terms of what what uh, what it is that you want to do what it is that you're good at but also um, uh, what the what works in the marketplace and uh, what works well for your topic so let me break this down what I mean by that I know for me personally, I do really well in like a one hour block, right? Uh, so I would much rather be in front of 500 people for one hour or a thousand people or 5,000 people for one hour and give a talk than be uh, with a small group of 20 people for three days. Okay. Now both work, both are effective. So if you wanted to, um, you know, let's say that I was teaching, um, I was teaching how to use Facebook ads to grow your business, right? I'm just pulling a random topic out. If you were teaching that, you could teach that in a one hour keynote for, uh, again, 500 or a thousand people for one hour, or you could teach that same topic where 20 people for three days, they both work, both are effective. There's pros and cons both ways. So some of it depends on what it is that you want to do, what it is that you like to do, but also like, what's, what's the market there? Do you feel like you can, you, if you wanted to teach something like that, do you feel like you can cover everything that needs to be covered in a one hour keynote? Or do you feel like actually three days is probably better for people being able to get the results that they need to see in their business. So, uh, so some of it again is what you want to do. Some of it is what you're trying to accomplish. Some of it is what the the market allows, uh, as far as, uh, what people are used to attending for that type of presentation or talk. 
Now I'm thinking about the people who don't have any experience speaking at all. Do you find that people that don't have any experience have to go speak and try a few things out before they can figure out what actually works for them, what they're interested in? Yeah, I um I think so because uh like I think for for me I was trying to think through like when I got started and you're just kind of like you don't know what you don't know, right? Um but I found pretty quickly for myself I had I worked for a a seminar company where I was doing like an all day seminar uh each day in a different city and just delivering their content and. And I just didn't like it. Like it just wasn't my favorite thing. But if I'm doing like a 45 minute or one hour keynote or workshop, I, I love that type of format. Whereas I know for other, I can think of a couple of speaker friends of mine. Um, there's one speaker friend of mine. He does a, like a five day thing for a hundred people. And so he goes deep with like by the, by the, by Friday, um, he really knows those, those 100 people really, really well versus like if I'm speaking to a thousand people for an hour, like you just, you can't go that deep with people or really get to know people. So again, it's not that one is better or worse than the other. It's just, um, uh, like for between he and I, it's just preference. Like which one do we actually enjoy? Which one do we feel like we're better at? I'm with you on that because it shifts your focus back to adding value in your area of passion instead of just going after what may bring you the most exposure. When I first got into speaking, my mindset was I needed to deliver a few talks, then reach the keynote level as quickly as possible because that's where I thought all the visibility would be. Fast forward to today, I've given a few keynote talks. And I have a few more coming up even, but I've discovered that I enjoy leading workshops far more than I enjoy delivering a keynote. I love having slides and examples and even taking questions along the way during my talk. This is where I can really teach something, and that seems to be my space. That's where I really like to be. But back to my point, I used to think that I had to end up at the keynote level. Many people still have this mindset that they need to work their way to becoming a keynote. What are your thoughts on this? Well, a lot of people, you're exactly right that a lot of people assume that that's where you have to be because that that's where higher pay, paying gigs are. And yeah, like if you think about uh, in, a, in a typical conference, typically keynotes are paid and typically workshops are not, or they are paid on a, a, a smaller amount. Now, obviously this is not a uh, exact rule across the board. So there's certain, I've been paid for uh, keynotes and I've been paid for workshops and I've done uh, keynotes for free and I've done workshops for free. So it's not always going to be, you know, that way. But uh, again, it kind of, some of it comes back to you getting really, really clear on the business model and what it is that you want to do. So if you are specifically just saying like, I want to do, I want a hundred percent of my business to be speaking. And I want to be basically a gun for hire speaker. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But then you want to make sure that the topic that you're talking about and the events that you're pursuing are ones that are used to hiring speakers and they're used to paying speakers versus if you said, nah, I just, I'd much rather just do uh, breakouts uh, on this kind of obscure topic um, that, uh, but I want to do a hundred of them a year. And, uh, but I want to make a bunch of money. It's like, okay, well then the math may not, it may not add up to make sense for you to be able to do something like that. But you're exactly right that, um, you know, with a, a keynote, keynotes are typically more broad and workshops are typically more narrow and focused. So we give some examples of that in the book. So for example, if you're speaking at personal finance investment bankers, you know, or something like that, you know, um, uh, you could, uh, for a keynote, you could talk about, you know, here, here are seven trends that we see in the market uh, this year in 2020 type thing. Um, but on a workshop, you may do something that's a lot more focused and narrow. You may say, okay, here are, um, you know, here's seven strategies specifically for, you know, 401k investing, you know, this year and how to maximize returns for your, your clientele. Uh, something that's going to be much more narrow that may not be applicable to everyone at that event, but uh, you're, it allows you to go deeper on that certain subject or topic. So again, it's not that one is better or worse than the other. It's just trying to figure out what makes the most sense for you and what you want to accomplish. As a thank you for listening to the Creating a Brand podcast, I'd like to invite you to join our private community for free. If you text the word community to one nine zero four. 
299-8992. I'll respond with a free invitation link. Once you join, I'll connect you with other community members and resources to help accelerate your success. Join today by texting the word community to 1-904-299-8992. I'm looking forward to talking to you within the Creating a Brand community. And now let's get back to today's episode. So far, we've covered step one, select a problem to solve. Step two, prepare and deliver your talk. Moving on to step three now, establishing your expertise. Can you explain this further? Yeah, so it really comes down to just having your marketing materials. So uh, people people want to make sure that they see something before they're willing to hire you. So the two things that we talk about that you really need is a website and a demo video, a website and a demo video. So uh, in this day and age, like if you don't have a website, like people won't take you seriously. You don't exist. And so you have to have a website. Part of the unique thing about being a speaker is that you are the product. You are the brand. It's, it's very much a, a personal brand. So when someone is hiring Grant to speak, they're hiring me to speak, they're hiring Grant. They're not hiring some type of like, it's not like they're buying some type of third party, you know, gadget or gizmo or tool or widget or something like that. They're investing in me. So uh, I recommend that you have your name as the domain. So I have grantbaldwin.com. Uh, actually, I had to purchase grantbaldwin.com from another guy named Grant Baldwin. Uh, so that was, a, that was an interesting, interesting conversation. And in fact, uh, I actually purchased the domains for my wife and all three of my daughters. And now I'm just squatting on those until they need them someday. And then I'll, uh, I'll sell it back to them at an exorbitant rate. So I'm excited about that. Nice. Way uh, to capitalize. But you, yeah, yeah. But you have to have a website. And the other part is you have to have a demo video. So think of a demo video kind of like a movie trailer. You know, before you would go see a movie, uh, you want to see a trailer. You don't need to see the entire movie to determine whether or not you're going to like it. But you need to see something. Even if you just read a description of what the movie's about, you're kind of like, eh, I don't know. I can kind of visualize it, kind of sense it. But uh, I'd like to see, I just need like two or three minutes, right? Because maybe it's a phenomenal movie. It's just not what you're looking for, right? So uh, I'll give you an unpopular opinion. Like I'm not a big Star Wars fan. Like I know people geek out on, on Star Wars. Uh, oh man, that would hurt. I know, I know. No, like no knock if you do. Like I got nothing against Star Wars. I just, it's just not my cup of tea. So I don't need to see the whole movie to, to know that like, that's just not my jam. But I can see like 30 seconds of a trailer and be like, nah, it's probably not for me, right? Um, versus like there may be a different, a different movie that I really, really like that I'm really into that again, like I, based on the trailer alone, like, yeah, I got to go see that. It looks amazing. And so what a demo video is the same, like a movie trailer, you take a 45, 60 minute, uh, uh, talk, and you boil it down to two or three minutes and it's enough for an event planner to see it. And it makes them want to see more, makes them want to determine, makes them, makes them uh, know that like, okay, if we put this person on stage, they're going to do a great job. They're going to deliver. This is a good fit for our event. Uh, And that's what they want to see versus if you just tell them on the website or you tell them on a phone call or an email, no, 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 just, just trust me. I'm a really good speaker. You should put me up there. Like most event planners just aren't going to take that risk, right? They're in the risk mitigation business. If they're going to put you up there, they want to be confident that you're going to do do a good job. And so they need to see something first. They don't need to see your entire talk, but usually just a couple of minutes in a demo video gives them a sense of whether or not you're a good speaker, but also whether or not you're a good fit for their event. In this section of your book, you mentioned branding yourself without breaking the bank. Many of the listeners are now thinking about how they need to go out and spend all this time and money developing a high quality website and video. Can you speak more to this point about branding yourself without breaking the bank? 
Yeah, I think so. Whenever it comes to those two tools, the website and the video, like years ago, it was really, really expensive to create both of these things. But uh, the truth is today with the tools that are available, you don't need to break the bank on these things. So like with a website, you can get a really well done website through either WordPress or, or Squarespace or Wix or, you know, some of these different options that are available that are uh, maybe like kind of cookie cutter paint by numbers, but they look good. They look sharp and professional. Uh, same thing on the demo video. Like my first demo video was footage of me. Uh, I was speaking to a group of about 30 people. I'd borrowed a little handy cam uh, camera from a friend on a tripod on the side of the room. The audio was bad. The lighting was bad. Like it just, it wasn't great, but it worked. You know, I edited it myself using Windows Movie Maker, which I don't even know if that's a thing anymore. Uh, but you, you, you just, the, the point being with both of those, the website and the video, is to work with what you've got and improve as you go. Work with what you've got and improve as you go. Do it with excellence. Do it to the best of your ability, but don't feel that, don't feel like, man, I got to spend $10,000 on, on a website or on a video. Like you don't. Like there may come a point where you want to really invest. Like at this point, I've spent thousands of dollars on websites and videos, but that's not what I had in the beginning. I, I, I spent a couple hundred dollars on a website and actually nothing on the demo video for version 1.0. And that worked. And I booked a few gigs out of that. And then I improved both of them. And then I booked a few more gigs and then I improved those and reinvested it back into these marketing materials. But initially you're creating version 1.0. So again, do it do it to the best of your ability, work with what you've got and improve as you go. Man, I love that. I think it's so important that we don't compare our starting point with someone else's finish line. What's important is for us to get a website up and then improve over time. Now we've arrived at step four. This is the one that everyone wants to skip straight to. Step four is acquire paid speaking gigs, creating a brand. It is very important to remember this is step four, not step one. Grant, you may want to further emphasize this point and also talk to us about acquiring paid speaking gigs. Yeah, absolutely. Because again, you're exactly right that that's what, what a lot of people want to do is I just want to fast forward to this part. I want to book gigs. And so let's just fast forward to that. But like you, you can't do that. You have to have the foundational pieces in place that you're really clear on who you speak to, what's the problem that you solve, you know what the talk is about. Uh, and then you also have these marketing assets in place, the website and the video. Now at this point, speaking is very much a momentum business and that you have a website and you have a video. And just because you have a website and just because you have a video doesn't mean anyone cares. Like your mom is thrilled. She's going to tell both of her friends, but nobody else cares. So you have to do something to get the ball rolling, to start to start to, to, uh, get some interest in, uh, you as a speaker. Now there's one thing I would highly recommend anyone can do that. You do this right now is you want to make sure everyone in your sphere of influence, your, your friends, family, coworkers, colleagues, anyone in your sphere of influence knows that you're a speaker and they know what you speak about and who you speak to. Now you may be thinking, but like my mom doesn't hire speakers. You're correct. Most moms probably don't hire speakers, but she may know someone who does hire a speaker. And if she doesn't know that you're a speaker, she's never going to think to recommend you. So you want to make sure that again, everyone in your sphere of influence knows that you're a speaker so that when they come across something, Hey, does anybody happen to know a, a speaker? For some? Oh yeah. You need to go talk to, to Alex on this. Alex would be a great fit for what you're looking for, right? The person that you know, doesn't know a speaker, but they know, they know someone who does, who is looking for a speaker. So that's one of the simplest things that anyone can do at the beginning is just to make sure that you you put that on people's radar. I couldn't agree with you more. As a matter of fact, my success with the Creating a Brand podcast started by me just sending out a text message to everyone I knew that I thought may enjoy the content. From there, people began recommending guests and also helping spread the word, which caused my podcast to grow. I believe the same domino effect can happen when we're looking for speaking opportunities simply by making our intentions known. We all have a network. It may not be extensive, but we all have someone and they have their own networks as well. Share what you're doing with the people in 
your life. Yep. Love that point. Now, with that said, aside from reaching out to who we know, do you have any other recommendations for how we can spread the word about ourselves as speakers? Other things that you can do is it's really important and valuable to network and build relationships with other speakers because speakers refer other speakers. So if I go do an event, they typically aren't going to have me back for a couple of years. Even if I do a great job, they want uh, other speakers in there. They want different audience or they want some of the audience to turn over. And so it's good to network and build relationships with other speakers where you can refer business to other speakers. Uh, Just the other day, I got invited to do an event and the budget was a little bit lower than what my speaking fee is. And so I was able to say, you know what? I don't think I'm going to be a great fit for this, but let me introduce you to this other friend, this friend of mine, Kate. Kate would be an amazing speaker for your event. And they ended up hiring Kate. Uh, And so just the relationship that Kate and I have makes it easy for me to refer her to go speak at some of these other events. Uh, Other things is anytime you do an event is you want to make sure that everyone in the audience is aware that you are a speaker because the, the, uh, my friend, Michael Port says, the more you speak, the more you speak and speaking leads to other speaking because that's your that's also your your product right there so people tell other people about it so you want to make sure that you put it on people's radar that this is something that you do also make sure that event planners that you work with ask them if there are other event planners that they know that would be uh, that you would be a good fit for that if they could make some type of introduction so it's more than just okay i got my website and my video and now i just sit back there's a lot of little things that you can do that can start the ball rolling because if you're if you're doing a bunch of gigs it's easy to continue to keep that ball in motion but again you have to do something to get the ball in motion and then also to keep it in motion. Love it. Thank you for sharing those additional ways for spreading the word and also for covering the first four steps in your book. I want to quickly mention step five, which is to know when to scale. We're not going to get into this today, but I do recommend picking a copy of this book to go deeper into the first four steps and to explore step five. Grant, congratulations on all of your success with this book launch. And thank you for a great conversation and being a guest today. Hey, thanks, man. I really appreciate it. This is a lot of fun. Not only is Grant an extremely experienced public speaker, he also provided this resource to help others achieve the same success that he has. And that's something that I really appreciate. I want to reference an additional resource that goes along with this episode. If you want to become a better public speaker, be sure to check out an episode from season two titled 13 Game Changing Public Speaking Tips. You can find that episode at creatingabrand.com slash 015. And now I have a question for you. Are you ready to get booked to speak? If you answer yes to this question, please visit creatingabrand.com slash 063 and share a quick summary of what you want to speak about. Then I'll help connect you with conferences and events looking for speakers like you. Grant, thank you again for being a guest today and providing this resource for landing speaking engagements. To learn more about Grant Baldwin and to pick up a copy of his book, The Successful Speaker, please visit creatingabrand.com slash 063. Thank you as always for listening. and I'm looking forward to bringing you another masterclass episode next week.